Hello, welcome into the Daily Blues Podcast on this December 23rd, 2019. It's Christmas week here on 101ESPN.com. Glad you're along with us. Blues Kings tonight from the Staples Center. 8 o'clock pregame show, 9 o'clock puck drop right here on 101ESPN. Chris Kerber joined Alex Ferrario this this earlier this morning to talk about the St. Louis Blues. He's out in L.A. with the team, obviously. Here's Kerbs this morning with Ferrario filling in on the Bernie Show. Even in that San Jose Sharks game where you think fatigue might be a factor, where you think you know a four-game win streak going out to San Jose to take on the Sharks, but it seemed like this team was in the middle of a losing streak and they needed to snap it. That's how they played on Saturday. Yeah, you know what? They they had just an okay uh, first period. I, I thought, despite the fact that the shot total was really lopsided, you know, I, di- I didn't think the overall play was all that poor. And then and then they were able to finally break through, get the goal, and then break the backs of the Sharks again. And you heard Alex Petrangelo, Alex in the postgame show, talk about it, the fact that this team just has the focus and and you know the, the understanding of what it takes to win right now, and and that's what's happening here. So. You know, you take on the San Jose Sharks, and now you've got a chance to take on the team that's last in the West and, and, and really solidify your place going into the Christmas holiday, the three-day break, and, uh, and and the resolve is there. They had a full skate yesterday, so I, I assume uh, this morning at the Staples Center they'll have just an optional skate and, and pretty much be ready to go. And, and Craig Maruby just kind of has, again, that that very you know simple – one game mentality that he's got this team in, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a pretty good game tonight. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Curbs, I'm curious, 61 victories in 100 games for Craig Berube, which sets the franchise record for fastest in that time frame. In your opinion, is he a top five, top three head coach in St. Louis Blues franchise history? Well, I, I mean, I look, I, I think over time uh, that's going to be defined. I, I don't know if you can say that just yet. Uh, I I think from the fact that he won a Stanley Cup, you could maybe catapult him in there and just say that's the that's the measuring stick uh, to to get that there. But you know what I what I would say is I think he's the best since I've been here. And I mean, no, and I, Joe Quenville was even here for a, a couple of them, but a couple of those first few years, I think from an in-game adjustment, in-game tactician standpoint. Uh, you've got to consider him to be one of the best with what we've seen, at least in the early going. I, I'm, I'm, it, it's one of the things I look forward to every game, Alex, is to see, okay, how does a game start? How does the game go? And what adjustments is Craig really going to make? Because he's, every single time he seems to make an adjustment, for the most part, it seems to be the right one that that, that impacts the game. It's, it's really quite impressive. It really is, and the communication factor with Craig Ruby Curbs is something that really strikes me. You know, in-game, we see him on the bench, you know, tapping guys on the shoulder when something doesn't go right or talking to them in their ear when they come back, or even in practices. And I mentioned this uh, back on the homestand when the power play wasn't going right, and, you know, Craig Ruby called the team out and said it was, it was awful, said it needs to be better, and they go out and they score two goals in that Colorado Avalanche game. The communication that he has with these players, I think, is the best in the National Hockey League. Well, and again, it's it's, it's the feeling. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he's right now being the defending Stanley Cup champion. Obviously, he should be considered as one of them. But yeah, go back to two home games ago, and uh, the officiating was pretty doggone shaky in that game. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you remember, Alex, and, yeah. And it was, and it wasn't that you know a whole bunch of penalties were called. It was just really a couple of ticky-tack stuff was called on both sides there. Um, and we we saw him get a hold. I think it was Chris Rooney going into the locker room. Like, like they, they talked on the bench beforehand, and he was pretty, you know, he, he, Craig was pretty fired up. 
Rudy came back out and talked to Baruby after that first intermission, and the, that even the officiating seemed to settle down in that game. Like it just was a well timed, hey, get over here and let me speak my piece kind of thing, and uh, and, and even that seemed to work. So uh, he's just got a very simple approach to the game. Uh, he, he doesn't worry about you know too much of the Gen X, Gen Z type stuff. Uh, he uh, he had feels that you know, gets a good read on his team what it's going to take. You know, to get things going, he knows when a player like he knows if a player is going to get on him too hard. He knows that that's the kind of kind of player that might kind of uh, wilter away a little bit, and so he might have to take a different approach of one guy versus another, and he does it. I, I think he, he reads people very, very well. We're talking with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on the Blues Blues booth. On the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Alex Ferrario with you. Curbs and Joey will be on the broadcast tonight at 9 o'clock. Puck drop against the L.A. Kings. Curbs, I know you and Joey talked about this in the uh, broadcast on Saturday against the Sharks. And, look, you're having really good success right now with Alex Petrangelo this season, a Norris Trophy contender in my book. But you're also seeing some success with Justin Falk and comfortability. And I think he's had a span of five really good games for the St. Louis Blues. What kind of impact does it provide this team if he's comfortable with Alex Petrangelo on the blue line? Well, the biggest thing it does is it allows you to put uh, Colton Pareko with Jay Bogeyster. And that, that became the premier shutdown pair, I think, in the National Hockey League in the second half last season and in the playoffs. And it allows you to keep those guys together. And what that's done with Carl Gunnarsson been out is the last few games it's kept the defense pairings exactly the same. There has not been a whole lot of switching and juggling around, and I think things have settled down because of that. Uh, Justin Falk's skating uh, has been quicker. Some of the decision-making has been quicker. Uh, his his quick decisions to get the puck to the net has been there as well, and I, I think it just speaks to the fact that he's getting more and more comfortable with his teammates, the role, and, and, and the style of play that this hockey team plays. And when he does... Again, it, just like a forward, when somebody settles into a top six role, it just seems to settle down your line up the rest of the way down, and, and that's exactly what's happened here in the last few games with him on the defensive side. Finally, Curves, we're seeing a lot of solid offense right now from Braden Chen and Jaden Schwartz. Of course, Schwartz coming from that game uh, against the Sharks with, I believe, three points as he had a goal and two assists. They gave him the assist on that Jordan Cairo goal. And these are two guys that weren't silent this season but weren't lighting the stat sheet every single night, but right now they're carrying a load for this team. Yeah, you know, Braden Chen had that terrific start uh, from a goal-sending standpoint after signing the big contract, and then things kind of did slow down for him a little bit. Jaden Schwartz was once again, like last year, getting a lot of scoring chances, you know, but it wasn't necessarily going in. So to see Jaden get to that 10-goal plateau uh, like he did, that, that was good. To see the couple of the points picked up by Braden Chen in the last game, you know, I think that, that that's a positive as well. Um, they're, they're finding some chemistry on their line again a little bit, and, and it's important. They're, they're, Blues are just going to need to continue to be what they were, which is not a team that has the Austin Matthews, uh, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin-type superstar on it. They are a team that continues to be the sum of its parts. And when they do that, you'll find production. Sometimes that production might come if Oscar Sundquist is on the fourth line. Uh, and I know he played up in, the, in with the right last game, but you know it might come in the form of Ivan Barbashev or you know, Robert Thomas and Tyler Bozak could have a big game, and when they do, that carries the team. And so eventually, because this team has depth, one of those four lines is going to find the mismatch in the game and find a way to be successful, and that's why this team is the sum of its parts.
Good to see Jordan Minnington get back in between the pipes tonight also, Curbs, as uh, he's had some nice days off, but to get one game in before the Christmas break. Yeah, you know what? They were able to get him a, a, a nice break, which is good, so it'll be good to see him get back in there. Jake was just fantastic. You know, so even if Jake had to go tonight, I don't think anybody would be blinking. Uh, so, it, you know, it's he to get him the one game before the break is good. Uh, the team then after tonight, they'll fly home. Some guys may uh, shoot out of L.A. to head to uh, wherever they're going to go for the Christmas break. You know, but then it's back on a plane 7 a.m. on the 27th to fly to Winnipeg. So it'll be a, a much-needed break. And Alex, again, it, it, this is still just a phenomenal stat. I talked to Baruby about this a little bit yesterday, but, you know, this three-day break and then the All-Star break are the is the only time this season where the Blues will have three days in between hockey games. I mean, just a, an amazing kind of pace to the schedule this season for the Blues. Well, and you know what, Curbs, it's funny. We just were we got a texter that asked if, if there should be any concern over load management for this Blues team, especially for with how many games they're going to be playing in the second half of the season. And I said no, to be honest with you, because that's that daily routine these guys are used to, playing every other night. That actually could benefit this team. Well, the, the, the grind that you find is the mental grind there. So while they have only nine sets of back-to-backs this season, the lowest they've had in a long, long while. Remember, they've had as many as 15, 17, 19 sets of back-to-backs in recent years. The fact that you don't have as many back-to-backs keeps the schedule a little spread out. Now, you will have two days in between some games, but you won't have three. But what that does is is it is a challenge for the, the coaching staff to kind of give guys a complete rest because you got one day, you got, okay, you got one day off, guys, and then we got to hit the ice again tomorrow. That kind of thing. And so I think this coaching staff uh, has really done a good job managing it. Nobody's ice time has really been off the charts. I mean, Alex Petrangelo leads at just over 23 minutes per game. Uh, you know, you don't see them riding one guy 25, 26 minutes a game, night in, night out. So I think for the most part, they've done a really good job managing uh, the, the, the pace of the schedule for these guys. Curbs, we're looking forward to this one tonight. Again, you and Joe Vitale with Puck Drop a little after 9 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. I will have the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community starting at 8. Thank you so much, Curbs, and we will talk to you later on this evening. Sounds good, Alex. Have a great day. Talk to you tonight. All right, big thanks to Curves joining Alex on the Bernie Show. Of course, Alex is filling in for Bernie this week and tomorrow, so catch Alex on the Bernie Show tomorrow, recapping the Blues and the Kings. All right, Jeremy Rutherford sat in with Dan McLaughlin today, who was sitting on the Stalter and River Show, had a conversation about the St. Louis Blues as well, about the All-Star game, how many uh, representatives the Blues might have. Here's JR with uh, Danny Mack filling in on Stalter and Rivers from earlier today. Look who showed up from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. Danny Mack, how you doing, buddy? Happy holidays, buddy. You too, you too. You were not a scheduled guest on uh, the the docket, but like usual, here you are, and I got four hours, so I figured, what the hell? How you <laughs> doing, you, buddy? I knew you must have had a lot of time to kill. I did have a lot of time to kill. I thought I'd bring you in, man. Yeah, you, no, this is great. Good to see you. You too, man. You you do such a good job. I, I mean that you do a great job uh, covering the St. Louis Blues on the Athletic. And one of the things I wanted to get into was the All Star Game. I mean, so many people around St. Louis. And I think after the, 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 the first of the year, it's going to get more attention of what's happening and, and you'll see more promotion of the event. Um, you've covered these events. It's coming to Enterprise Center. What What is the All-Star Game all about with the National Hockey League? What can fans expect? Yeah, it's definitely going to sneak up on everybody uh, after the holidays right around the corner, January 26th. 
it's going to be an event, and I have been to seven or eight of them, Danny, in, in the various cities, and always look forward to when St. Louis would host it. I believe it was 1988, the last one. Mario Lemieux had uh, six points, and uh, so it's been a long time since uh, St. Louis has been able to uh, to host this. Uh, you know what I can tell you from being to a handful of them that it, it's obviously just not the game. You're talking about if you have good weather outside, uh, there are tons of activities for the families, uh, for the young hockey players in your life to go down, and you know as you can imagine. It's a fan fest. There are, you know, shooting galleries. There are, uh, you know, things like that. And there's a red carpet event uh, to go down and see the players come in the building. And, you know, that was a great one in Nashville a couple years ago, probably the best. So uh, I just think it's a celebration of hockey. And it comes at a great time for St. Louis because you had the Winter Classic. You had the renovations to the arena. You have the Stanley Cup, of course. Now you got the All-Star game coming. Just a great time in Blues hockey. You just released an article on The Athletic talking about the potential of multiple players from the St. Louis Blues to represent the Blues at the All-Star game. Who do you have going? Yeah, so I have three, and uh, the three that I have, and I know that this is up for debate here, are uh, David Braun. I think he's had a terrific season, tied for the team lead in, in goals with uh, Braden Shen. Uh, he has five game-winning goals. I like Alex Petrangelo's chances to be in the game. I think he's had a terrific season, Norris conversation. And I also have Ryan O'Reilly, and I know he hasn't scored a ton of goals, just seven of them, uh, but uh, he's been a big assist guy, and uh, he's on pace for a career-high assist. He's been a big part of David Prawn's success. So those are the three that I have right now. And that leaves off who, Danny? Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington. That's a tough one. I knew I'd open up myself to a little criticism there. But when you sit down, and you've done this, uh, I'm sure, with the uh, the baseball all-star game, uh, when you have to represent every team and the rosters are limited, you're talking about six forwards, three defensemen, and two goaltenders for each team, you know, it's tough. And so we did some maneuvering around, and, and uh, the reason Bennington didn't make my projection is because Dallas needs a representative. And... Ben Bishop is their St. Know, Louis kid, pretty St. cool. St. Louis kid, yeah. So it'll be a good story still. Uh, I still think there's a chance Bennington will make it, and I could be wrong on this. Uh, but as I laid it out, it looked like Ben Bishop needed to be on the team. You know, we just heard from Chris Kerber, and he made the point that Craig Perubi could be the the coach of that team. Yep, yep. They do the uh, the points percentage, winning percentage. Uh, for the coaches uh, at a certain date. I don't recall the cutoff date. Right around uh, early January, I yeah, think. Yeah. January 2nd, yeah. uh, which, what's that date uh, remind you of? That's when the Blues were in last place right. uh, last it's amazing. year. It's, a, it's amazing. And so Craig Bruby has a real good shot uh, if things continue the way they do of being the uh, all-star coach. How many players are represented? Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, how many the teams are there, how many guys are on each team is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, so there's four divisions. Uh, they went to that four years ago. And uh, each of the four teams has 11 players. But like I said a minute ago, uh, they break it down to six forwards, three D, and uh, and two goalies. And and I will say, you know, for people who are hoping that Jordan Bennington can make the team, uh, the last four years, the host city of the All Star Game has gotten four players twice. They're going to so, get four, by the so way. So they, they're going to get four, probably. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're going to get four. <laughs> it's, if it, if this is for the fans, and it is, it's an exhibition, and you're trying to put the best product on the ice in terms of, uh, I think, television and excitement and make it cool, then when Jordan Bennington is announced, like I got goosebumps yeah. right now, place would erupt. Yeah. And I think they would erupt with Perron and and the captain, but I, I also think they would erupt with O'Reilly too. I, I, I just think he's got to be on it. Yeah, definitely so. And, and you know what? He goes and he wins a, a Stanley Cup and uh, Ryan O'Reilly 
gets the con Smythe. Jordan Bennington was in that conversation but didn't win it. It would be disappointing if Jordan Bennington uh, didn't make it, and I think you're right. I think there's a good chance to get four. It's amazing. I, I was doing blues hockey a number of years ago, and that's how far you go back to doing um, covering this team and, and, and writing about it for the Post-Dispatch and now the Athletic. And I, I bring that up because when we were covering the team, man, there were some down times. And just in this last week, Al McKinnis's son gets called up. Keith Kachuk's kids are awesome. Now you mention all the different things that are happening with the Blues. The, the turnaround of hockey in this town has been absolutely remarkable. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because not only are the Blues going to be represented by three or four uh, players, but they're going to be some St. Louis hometown guys uh, come to St. Louis as well. Perhaps uh, Ben Bishop, but Matthew Kachuk. How many times has he been down to oh, man. Uh, Enterprise Old Scott Trade Center for years and years and years? And now he might be the Calgary Flames uh, representative. Another one, Arizona has uh, Clayton Keller. Yeah, they've got a couple other players in the mix that might get it ahead of Clayton Keller, uh, but he could be a guy making a trip to St. Louis. The, the hockey is just terrific. Uh, the youth hockey, uh, the alumni has done so much, and not just the alumni, but the organization itself uh, to grow the game here in St. Louis. I'm curious. Now let's talk about the Blues. Jeremy Rutherford is uh, our guest. The Blues looking forward and on the ice. Um, they have found a way to win. I, I, they just know how to win. It's amazing. And you, you mentioned the, the date, early January. Since that time, Craig Berube has been maybe the best coach in hockey. I think his in-game adjustments are incredible. Uh, they just find a way to win. They're never out of a game. Could you imagine what we were talking about last year this time? I mean, Who are you going to trade off? It would have been December. Gonna, it's a dumpster dive, yeah. you know? Are they trading Tarasenko? Are right. they trading Petrangelo? What are they doing? And, uh, you know, they had a uh, an ownership meeting. I believe it was uh, January 2nd. And they said, hey, which direction are we going to go? And, and Doug Armstrong had to lay out a plan saying, hey, if things get better, we'll do this. If things don't, we'll do this. And from about January 3rd on, which coincided with Jordan Bennington taking over that start in uh, Philadelphia on January 7th, just played terrific hockey. So, no, you're right. They know how to win, Danny. And I think that's what the difference is uh, from a number of years ago. This organization was just always kind of in a mode where, okay, we don't quite know what it takes. And we think we, we're, we're going to, we think we're doing the right things, but we're just not quite sure what that run did last year for the players the coaching staff the general manager off ice you know these this franchise knows what it takes now they, you can't be presented with a situation anymore where they don't know how to handle themselves and I think we've already seen that in the play this year how close do you think Tarasenko and and the captain were to being traded last year how close was it yeah and I asked Doug Armstrong that question uh, for a story last year and the the impression that he gave me was not not on the point of making the deals were they in conversations? Yes. Did they make some calls on them? Yes. But I don't think at any point Doug Armstrong was ready to pull the trigger on a Tarasenko trade or an Alex Petrangelo trade. At the time, Petrangelo had the no trade. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko did not. Uh, but just think how things could have gone so much differently had uh, he decided to blow things up. What do you think they do with the trade deadline this year? Well, I think that they had some interest in uh, Taylor Hall, so you would think that uh, that would continue in terms of uh, looking for another piece now that Taylor Hall's off the market. Um, I think they could probably use a top six forward. Danny, is that Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers? It depends what the price is there. Look, Doug Armstrong uh, didn't want to give up uh, a prospect and a pick in the Taylor Hall trade. I'm sure he'll want to do that uh, if he still thinks this team has a really good chance to win, win a cup. So I think he'll be active. Do you think they're going to win the cup? You know, there, there's a good chance. But to me, it ties into what we just talked about. It's knowing that you can win. And I think when you have these players right now, there's that window uh, that Doug Armstrong wants to capitalize on. How many times have we seen, and I know the, the Blackhawks won three in six years, the Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back -back years, but you can't 
get two years down the road and now players are gone and you don't have that opportunity to win a cup again. You have to jump on it when the time is there. Petro Gittry uh, signed. What do you think? I think he does. I think that uh, you're talking about a guy who wants to be in St. Louis, won a Stanley Cup, first player in history to lift that cup. I know a lot gets made of the wife and the family that that he has here. You know, those are real life things. Uh, but he's a guy who could be nine and a half million dollars on the open market. How close will the Blues get to to nine million? I think is the determining factor. But I like his chances of coming back. Does it matter that he gets his number retired and potentially a statue out in, in front of Enterprise Center? He really could, right? And, and and, uh, you know, there's examples. You have the pool holes example. I got the David Backus example. You know, you, you go to Boston, and, and and perhaps he wishes he was still here in, in St. Louis. So I think that's how Alex Petrangelo would like it to work out. But he knows that he's been a top 10 defenseman in the league for years and years and years, and he deserves to get paid like it. Um, so now we'll see what happens. Uh, as you know, the big thing is the term of the contract. You know, he's 30 years old, or going to be. Are they going to take him to 38 years old? Maybe he comes down on the asking price per year if he gets those eight years. Final question. Your favorite moment, story, whatever, that comes to mind when you think about the Stanley Cup yep, run. It, yep, it's uh, it's easy. It's uh, for years and years and years, uh, listening to people talk about a parade that would take place on Market Street. And I got to thank Jake Allen for this one. Uh, I didn't know where I was going to position myself for the parade coverage. And I asked Jake, can I jump on your truck? And he said, yeah, no problem, fire truck. So I get on the back of it, and you know what it was like downtown that day. And uh, we didn't quite comprehend what it was going to look like when we made that turn. So we leave in front of Enterprise Center, make that right onto Market Street, and I'll never forget that second of my life ever to see the crowd 25 deep people hanging on top of stop signs and 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 bus stops uh and to make that turn and just hear jake the snake jake the snake it was a terrific moment what a great day you know danny there are a lot of days in our careers where uh you know we can remember back when we're 50 60 years old uh, to what those were like and i'll never forget that blues parade good stuff there from jr with danny mack jr doing great stuff over at the athletic that's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. Light podcast today with a lot of the shows off. We'll have more tomorrow right here on 101ESPN.com.